You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. And you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, at Walker Mail, and at Nada the Scribe. We have a huge NBA trade to get to. After just talking about James Harden's comments yesterday, it didn't take long for the Houston Rockets to pull the trigger on a trade to send James Harden to the Brooklyn Nets. A couple of other teams got involved. How does that affect the Charlotte Hornets? Does it affect the Charlotte Hornets? We'll talk about that later on in the podcast. We'll also talk about Malik Monk. We are the presidents of the fan club, but is it time for us to let go as far as what they believe with the Charlotte Hornets organization? That's coming up in the second segment. And of course, a recap of the game last night against the Dallas Mavericks. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Headspace because even in the new year, it's hard to start a new routine. But if you're one of the 34% of Americans who made a resolution to be less stressed headspace is absolutely here to help headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations and an easy to use app headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research so whatever the situation headspace really can help you feel better and if you're overwhelmed headspace has a three minute sos meditation for you if you need some help falling asleep headspace has wind down sessions their members swear by and for our and for the parents out there headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your children headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, $600,000 five-star review, 600,000, excuse me, five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule, anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier. And Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash locked on NBA. That's Headspace com locked on NBA for a free one month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. We needed some meditation last night after watching the Charlotte Hornets come out <laughs> extremely slow yes. against the Dallas Mavericks. The first quarter, it was a doozy, not very good. Dallas ends up beating the Charlotte Hornets in the first quarter, 32 to 16 Hornets, never really able to make up all that much ground. They would win um, the third and fourth quarter by just a combined um, uh, point total of just six in the third and the fourth. So not really able to make up all that ground that the Mavs were able to separate themselves with. There was clear garbage time that the Charlotte Hornets had at the end of this one. And that's when we actually got to see the guys deep on the pine enter the game for just about one minute's worth of time. When you look at some of the different players, but they came out slow, nada, and really PJ kind of embodied all of that of what was to come with the amount of shots that he missed in the early going. I believe he started this game going one of seven aggressive looking for his shot. And I appreciate him shooting some three pointers felt like there were some step backs in there, which I don't love some of the step backs <laughs> that we got from PJ, even though I want him to shoot some of those three pointers. They're like little kind of minor step backs, so not egregious, but still not exactly uh, set shots from PJ, which he's proven to be effective by and then ended up being the Sprite player of the game. He would finish six of 17, two of seven from the three point line, 10 rebounds, a career high six assists, but only 16 points, not a, and really 
you don't know how many people actually played better than him. This was a bad game from a lot of different players on the Charlotte Hornets. You're probably looking at Terry Rozier that had the better offensive game, but defensively he, he has nothing for Luka Doncic. Nobody had anything for Luka Doncic who played like an MVP candidate last night, 34 points, 13 rebounds, nine assists. All that came on 14 of 25 shooting five of nine from the three point line. The one place where he struggled mightily this season. And even there, he torched the Charlotte Hornets. What are your first and uh, main thoughts about this game? When you go back to last, uh, go back to this last contest, that was an ass whipping. That that's the first and only thing that comes to my mind. The Dallas Mavericks took what happened to them two weeks ago and they didn't chuck the tape. They didn't, like, ignore it, say, ah, oh, it's a bad shooting game, this, that, and the third. No. What Rick Carlisle did was he took that tape, he burned it into the memory banks of those players to the point where they systematically dismantled the Charlotte Hornets in that first half of that game. They, again, one big thing, though, that I would like to note is that the Charlotte Hornets have a clear kryptonite that I think they need to address much more so than offense. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but whenever they deal with a big man that can move, we've now seen it with Cleveland. We've now seen it twice with Philly. And now we've seen this with Porzingis and Willie Cauley Stein. Now, if they have size that they can't get around or deal with, they struggle. It's the one weakness of the small lineup that they have. So now the question becomes, and I hate to hijack it like this, what are the Hornets going to do about anybody with size? Because all the good teams, even the Nets, have size that they can deal with and that can they can throw at you in waves and versatile size. Porzingis lit them up last night. Luka lit them up. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. lit them up. It just went down. It was a cascade effect. At some point, the Hornets are going to have to do something about this size, and I think that was the biggest thing I took away from it. That yeah, I and think the, that in the lineup starting slow yet again. Yeah, the, the lineup. We talked about them being challenged offensively, and they were able to score uh, a few games. Certainly after that Philadelphia uh, second loss, but not able to score in this one. Ninety-three points for them. I believe that is a season low for the Charlotte Hornets. When you look at the amount of points they've scored in each game this season, you go to the size. I, it, it was clear when you entered uh, when Boban Marjanovic entered the game. One, he's torched the Charlotte Hornets a couple of times. So I'll always remember. I think it was that game against the Detroit. Pistons where he went like for 20 and 20 something like that <laughs> yes, Boban has had that. his moments against the Charlotte Hornets and he even had a nice little uh, nice little night um, against the Hornets even when you look at this second game between the two eight points for him three of six you know you look at Porzingis <laughs> Porzingis is one of the taller dudes in the NBA. Yes. What is he like seven, three? He's ridiculous. Yeah. He was dubbed the unicorn by Kevin Durant. And then we gave that unicorn nickname to everybody that is like seven feet and extremely mobile, but it wasn't even really KP size that destroyed the Hornets. When you look at him, all he does is, I mean, he shoots threes and he's a tremendous three point shooter. So he made two 
two point field goals last night against the Hornets and all the other two point field goals that he took, which was, you know, a handful of other ones. He missed all those and he only had four rebounds. And so it wasn't KP that really killed him other than Willie Cauley Stein, who killed him with some of the offense that he had blocking a couple of shots here and there had three total and it was Boban. And then James Johnson actually came in with some size and hurt them a little bit here and there. Um, but yeah, you're right. Not like, I mean, there, there was some size. I think that actually came to be an issue. And I think you saw that even on the perimeter where there was some size problems. LaMelo ball had, um, not a very good game in this one. This is the worst game that he's had he in had quite a, a while game to me. Like that was the thing that bugged me the most. He was waiting and he did, he didn't do enough emphasizing and going like looking for his own shot. He was trying to set up for everybody else and no one else really could do anything with it. That's where I would like him to be less passive if I'm honest. Yeah, and, and I think you saw him drive in the middle, and he, he didn't have a ton of opportunities to uh, to to finish it. You could see him dish quite a bit. Had only two turnovers, um, but only two field goals. Also, only the four points that he scored. Uh, you, you see him get seven rebounds and five assists. Still, you know, decent numbers when you're not scoring. Uh, but defensively, I didn't think Lamelo Ball was very good at all. Um, you know, I, I think defensively all across the board, this was not a very good effort. Despite Dallas only scoring 104, it's not that many points. I, and and you want Luca to be taking those three pointers. Luca still got to the rim when he wanted to, and uh, he's so good at it. Still, just a, a tough effort for them defensively. This one's a bad one. And Dallas wanted revenge and they were able to get it against the Charlotte Hornets. Real quickly, I want to talk to you guys about rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. Rockauto.com's prices are the same for every everybody and they're reliably low. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and for the same uh, and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. Then write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. They have an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rock auto.com. Is it time for the Hornets to just go ahead and trade Malik Monk? We talk about that next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. I love leftovers, by the way. Huge leftover guy. Oh man, dinner, dinner for lunch. I love that. Leftover dinner, swing it into a lunch, maybe even to a breakfast if you're feeling goosey. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. When you need fantasy basketball advice, it's important that you have a reliable source. More people trust Josh Lloyd, host of Locked On Fantasy Basketball, than any other fantasy basketball podcast. Subscribe to the number one fantasy basketball podcast, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, wherever you get your podcast. Not I mentioned there was some garbage time at the end of this one last night. James Borrego, it took him a while, but finally he decided to go with a couple of the players that never get any run that are completely out of the rotation among those players. It has since become Jalen McDaniels, who at the beginning of the season was actually getting some run about 15 minutes a game. 
We were we actually were, excited um, about that. to see Jalen McDaniels get some run, and then he was taken out of the rotation pretty quickly. Vernon Carey got a minute in this one, and then it was Malik. Scored, uh, he scored did. a bucket too. Yeah. Vernon Carey did score a bucket and even got a free throw one of two so scored three points in basically the minute that he played in this game and then Malik Monk came in nada and it's the first time that he saw action since that second loss to the Philadelphia 76ers where he got 10 minutes of run in that blowout against Philadelphia we thought after that with James Borrego's frustrations on the offensive end that you would go to somebody that really did play well offensively the last month of the season, how it happened last year. And instead, James Brago thought the answer was more Caleb Martin, a little sprinkle of Cody Martin here and there, and benching Jalen McDaniels and still not going to Malik Monk. So we saw Malik Monk play some garbage time last night, comes in, misses a three-pointer, does nothing else whatsoever. It's, it's meaningless at that point. Rick Bennell writes a piece in the Charlotte Observer calling for Malik Monk to get a shot calling for Malik Monk to actually get some kind of minutes, get some run, and be a part of the rotation. I was worried about Malik Monk being a part of the rotation coming into this season. And you see LaMelo Ball come in. Now it's a deep backcourt with those three guys, Terry Rozier, LaMelo, and Devontae. I thought Cody, with the way that James Brega was calling him, the best pound-for-pound defender on this team, that Cody would get his run here and there. And eventually it would be Caleb that got more run. And, and, and I was scared about Malik. I didn't expect him to be completely buried on the bench like this. I just thought we might see him get 10, 15 minutes here and there. Now he's not getting any, even in garbage time, he's not getting any, and I don't see it changing. I I don't, I don't see it changing all that much at all. If you already had your struggles on offense, you make these changes, you get four wins in a row. Even if I don't agree with not playing Malik Monk, you have James Brago having these wins to throw at your face, and now he doesn't, and a bad offensive performance, but you could still go with those four wins that you have, even if I don't agree with the process. I think it's pretty clear that James Brago just doesn't trust Malik Monk, and I don't know about an opportunity that is going to arise where Brago decides to go with Malik Monk before you would even try to trade him. I, I don't even know what kind of value there is out there or perceived value there is for other franchises. What do you make of this Malik Monk situation? That, unfortunately, I think this was the most logical ending to this. Whatever Malik did, and there are rumors, and we're not going to get into rumors, or at least this specific rumor or spec and speculation, this was always the logical ending for, at least for me, because clearly whatever he had done had broken the trust and fractured the trust of James Borrego to where he's not even an option anymore. If the option, it could, because you know what? James Borrego has become Christopher Walken from that, from that SNL skit. He wants more offense. He wants more uh, more defense. So you know what he's going to ask for? He's not going to ask for more cowbell, but he's going to ask for more Martin. That's what he's doing. He's got a fever, and you know what? Caleb and Cody Martin are going to be his cures. You know why? Because he can trust I, them. I think trust is a big factor yeah, in this. He's going for the wrong and, medicine. If he's got a fever and he's not going from a leak monk here and there, you at least got to try some kind of different drug because it's not like Caleb Martin, even though he is giving you a nice 
field goal percentage. It's not like he, I, I still refuse to believe he's better than Malik. And you keep talking about how you can trust these guys, you know, with Cody Martin, not a, I mean, clearly he doesn't trust him a ton. If he's not getting as much run as we expected him to get. And he kind of got put to the bench um, at the beginning of the season. And with Malik, this is, this is what I keep coming back to with Malik. I don't know how much importance you put on the outside factors and I don't know what happened off of the court. I don't know what kind of communication or conversation that each of these parties have had, but I do know what I saw on the court from Malik Monk with the last 20 games of basketball that he played with some poor performances here and there. Sure. But just the overall body of work, when you talk about the last 20 games, and that includes the preseason, like it was a bad first preseason game. The other two were fine. He was fine. Hit a couple three pointers, had good assist numbers. He was fine. Malik Monk has showed you good basketball when he's been out there the last 20 games and now he's just not getting out there. So James Borrego is just deciding not to play him. I, we, we all know my stance on this. I want to see him out there, but it doesn't matter anymore. I mean, not at this point, the Hornets just got to pull the trigger on a trade or find a way to, or, or maybe what you do is you just sit on him and he's just like this guy at the end of the bench. If you don't feel like there's enough value in return to send him somewhere else. But I got to imagine that there's one team out there that looks at Malik, looks at those games that, that I'm looking at and thinks, you know what? I think I can get the most out of Malik Monk. And we know about egos via general managers, head coaches in all of sports and also the NBA. You see the change of scenery trade constantly. Malik Monk, I have to imagine, has some kind of value out there from another team to take a chance on him. And here's my question to you, Nada. James Borrego, one, I would expect him to play Malik Monk a little bit more so to at least increase that trade value somehow. Unless Borrego just thinks he's so bad that when he goes out there on the court, he actually diminishes the trade value, which I can't wrap my head around either. I, I mean, what do you do as far as the trade scenario is concerned? I just don't know at this point. Like, that's the thing. I don't understand any of this logic because I'm kind of with you. I would probably trade him at this point, but because, or I think that's the thing. I would probably trade him because at least that way you know somewhere where he's going to go. Because do you want to know what my biggest fear is at this point? Is that they sit on him until the trade deadline passes. They waive him to give him a shot at they give him a shot somewhere else and then you know where he signs he signs brooklyn and then he goes and gets his mind right and becomes <laughs> the super sub that is my biggest fear right now so i'm kind of wanting them to trade him to the to, to the lowest bidder even if that means that's a second second round pick because at this point it's not going to happen yeah. here i am sad about this this is probably going to get me kicked out of monk hive and i understand because i've deserved it right now i've deserved it over the last little bit but for right now, I just don't see a way forward for him considering what I the think coach. I don't wants. know if I'm going to kick you out of Monk Hive because it's not us that necessarily want him off of the team based on the kind of talent we think he can bring to this team. It's just James Borrego that clearly doesn't want to go to him right now. And I'll ask you this, too. We were talking about this before we started recording. Mitch Kupchak had constantly told us in the offseason that Malik Monk was one of if not the most talented player on the roster. Since those comments, they went out and they got Gordon Hayward, a $30 million a year man, and they got LaMelo Ball, a third overall pick in the NBA draft. So clearly, you could go with those two guys and say, yep, they're better basketball players and they're more talented than Malik Monk. Cool. You're not going to get any argument out of me whatsoever. 
So that at least, at least mathematically puts Malik Monk down two spots to make him at the best position, the third most talented player on this roster. Let's even say you think yes. a couple of these guys in the first 10 games have so rapidly improved that you think they have surpassed Malik Monk in talent. And I'll even be conservative uh, and say there's been two of those guys, whatever combination you want to go with. Maybe you think Miles has been outstanding. Maybe you still believe in PJ and has had, and you believe more of what you saw in that Atlanta Terry. game, Terry, whatever. Let's say that you put Malik Monk all the way to five or six. Okay. Even then Malik Monk being the fifth or sixth most talented player on this team warrants some playing time. Clearly Mitch Kupchak, I, mean, I would have to imagine Mitch Kupchak wasn't talking about the Martin twins as being more talented than Malik when discussing all of the talent on the roster and then fifth or sixth warrants more playing time from him. So here's what's been going on. Either Mitch was telling us what he thinks then and, uh, and truly meant it. And James Borrego just didn't necessarily 100% agree with that. Maybe Borrego did, but then found this rotation and liked what he saw. And so he decided to stick with it. Or maybe Mitch Kupchak was just, you know, feeding us BS this entire time. I don't know, but I am interested to see if there is a differing opinion between Mitch Kupchak and James Borrego on the way they both evaluate Malik Monk. I would say it's a combination of all three right now at this point. Like maybe at the time he felt like Malik Monk was the most physically, athletically gifted guy on this roster. And then it changed because the thing that I wonder, like the thing that I will just continue to go back on is that there is a lack of trust there. And I don't know how Malik, I don't know what Monk does can do to fix that. I really don't like the thing that, because as we've talked about on this podcast, almost ad nauseum at this point, is that we know that Malik can do things offensively that Cody and Caleb Martin can't. But at the same time, do you sacrifice that for the versatility in guarding positions that Malik just can't right now? And I understand that you trust your defense, but if your defense is going to be structured to where you need a Martin twin and a and a Miles Bridges out there to be functional and a PJ Washington at what point like you're running out you're kind of running out of slots to slide Malik Monk in and that's where I kind of understand where Brego it this isn't necessarily an easy decision and then when you add the fact that you don't trust the guy then okay yeah well, and, and the other too. the other thing I'll like, ask and, and by asking the question on what Mitch Kupchak thinks of Malik compared to what James Brego thinks of Malik it doesn't mean that there's going to be this huge rift between the general manager and the head coach. It doesn't mean that there's legitimate drama between these two. You know, it one Malik Monk is not that important of a player to warrant any kind of real drama between the two. As much as I love Malik, you're still talking about other bigger decisions, other bigger players that you're talking about more so that would lead to that kind of drama. But I just wonder if, if these two guys uh, differ in their evaluation completely of what Malik brings to the Charlotte Hornets team and we'll see if, if what, what Mitch Kupchak decides to do because even if it's even if Mitch Kupchak likes him it is James Borrego's decision as to what he does with him on the court and as much as James Borrego dislikes him it's ultimately going to be Mitch Kupchak's decision on whether he decides to pull the
the trigger on a trade. BetOnline.ag is the only place that has you covered, and it's the only place that we trust when you want to bet online. BetOnline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag and use that promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. So you don't have to sit on the sidelines anymore. You can get in on the action. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. James Harden got traded, and it was a doozy. We'll talk about that in the final segment of Lockdown Hornets uh, next on the Lockdown Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. But what he showed in Summer League, comma, a Euro step into a windmill during a game, end of comma, oh, could yeah. put him on the radar of a uh, radar, excuse <laughs> a radar. Me, of all NBA. Yeah, on the radar. On the radar <laughs> of all NBA fans as a nightly highlight producer. Yeah, you're Charlotte, you're Charlotte coming out there. Yeah, I'm from come from uh, Catawba County. Get so, them on the Raider. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. If you want to get basketball smart, it starts with listening to the Hollinger and Duncan podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. NBA analytics pioneer and front office insider John Hollinger joins Dunked On podcast host Nate Duncan to bring you scouting reports, game breakdowns, and salary cap analysis. Subscribe to Hollinger and Duncan today wherever you get your podcast. I'm going to try to get all of this right, Not I'm trying to pull up a graphic with the James Harden trade and everybody that was dealt. Do you, do you uh, have I the flow chart? Yes, do I do have, have all of the flow chart in front of me. I'm going to give it a go. So trade last night or trade yesterday, I should say, between the Houston Rockets and the Brooklyn Nets. The Houston Rockets, they send James Harden to Brooklyn in exchange for four first-round picks and four pick swaps, mm-hmm. and all of those are unprotected. That's Houston's haul from at mm-hmm. least the Nets. Then what happens is the Rockets, upon receiving Karis Levert, they immediately flip Karis Levert and get Victor Oladipo and his expiring contract. So how that happens is Victor Oladipo, or what is the result of that? Victor Oladipo is now a member of Houston. Karis Levert is now a member of of the Indiana Pacers. That was also very interesting. It was funny to see the roller coaster of reactions when first we had to deal with this James Harden news and then we had to deal with the Karis LeVert Victor Oladipo news. We're not done. Then the Cleveland Cavaliers decided yeah. to get in on the action and the Cleveland Cavaliers decided that they would trade a first round pick for Jarrett Allen. So now Jarrett Allen is a member of the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Cleveland Cavaliers get Toreen Prince. The Nets, after all of this, they send out um, also a Rodeon Kurooks and a Dante Exum, who I believe go, where do they go? Not a, the flow chart has escaped me, but I know they were on the move as well. Do they go back? They go Kourouks, back to the Nets, I right? Think Kourouks, Kourouks, or, no, Kurooks no, is that, not going back to the Nets. Kurooks, I believe, is going to the Cavs, and then Exum is headed okay, to Okay, thank you. Yeah, not Rockets. going back to the Nets. They're leaving the Nets. But yes, um, or Rodeon Kurooks. But yes, yeah, so there you go. We got all the big boy stuff out of the way. Crazy trade last night or yesterday. Um, Nada, James Harden goes to the Brooklyn Nets. Let's just start there with Kevin Durant, James Harden. You have the situation with Kyrie. We don't expect him back this week at all. Who knows if he's going to return next week? Um, is is it just extremely simple as adding James Harden to your roster? Yep, Brooklyn is now the favorite in the East, and if not the favorite, are they a contender? No. Certainly among um, the Bucks and everybody else. Like, I guess where do you compare them with everybody else in the East? They're third to me. They're still third, no matter what they did, unless they like. 
for me, I get why they did this. They're going to score 140 on some nights, provided Kyrie comes back from his walkabout. But they are going to give up 140 some nights, 150 some nights. I still like Milwaukee, even despite the fact that Giannis comes up short in the playoffs or and there are those th- issues. I still like the Sixers better from top to bottom, and I don't think I've ever said this, where Doc's doing his thing with Philly and they have enough shooting and enough role players to make it work. I The buyout market's going to be really interesting for this Brooklyn Nets team because if they get an MKG to add for defense, if they get a couple of other guys that make sense to fill out that bench to have specific roles. If I thought Spencer Dinwiddie was actually going to be healthy this year, I would really like this team in terms of depth. I just don't, I think you're six players, again, I just think six guys and two of those guys having injury history in Kyrie and KD, that's gonna end up catching up with you at some point. That said, I'm expecting to get housed the next time that the Hornets play the uh, Nets. <laughs> yes, I think we can we can certainly believe in that. Even though they were they were the first team to beat the Nets when they still had Kyrie and Kevin Durant playing. Yeah, I mean, if Kyrie Irving comes back, they have to be the favorite to me. I, you can go with Milwaukee or Philadelphia if you want. It's just too much talent, and I expect them to figure it out somehow you know I, I even with the bench scaring me it's still an unbelievable thing to have kevin durant and james harden two of the best offensive players not in the nba right now but in in the nba's history even defensively with the problems that they're going to have losing some of these guys that they did they're just going to be so offensively unstoppable that you have to have them among the favorites in the Eastern Conference. You know, I, I could still I could still see the Bucks or Philadelphia moving on, no doubt about it. Um, and if Kyrie Irving doesn't play, then that's where that depth uh, does become a, a big concern. But also, you might even yes. make this move for insurance if Kyrie Irving just doesn't come back and play. At least do you have that next star with you alongside Kevin Durant? And also, do you make this move because you want to appease Kevin Durant. And apparently KD wanted this move to happen. So, you know, if that's the case, then that's kind of end all be all. You got to do it if you want to keep Kevin Durant long term and you believe in his long term health. Um, but it, it, it's fascinating. Nada. What about the Indiana Houston side of things? So Houston gets Victor Oladipo. Indiana gets Karis LeVert. Yes. Uh, and uh, okay. Houston, by the way, Houston is the team that ends up with Dante Exum and Rodion Kuruks, just to be exact. So th- that is the team that ends up with both of those guys. Either way, it's Oladipo for Levert. That was another interesting thing to happen. I'm one that thinks that the Pacers got a good haul for Victor Oladipo. You know, I, I, I think a lot of people were yes. kind of surprised to see that trade for sure, too. And Oladipo had been playing well. Um, he was doing very well out of the gate for the Indiana Pacers. But he's going to leave. I just, you know, if you're the Pacers and you don't want to risk losing Victor Oladipo for nothing, then you possibly could have saved him and traded him closer to the deadline and then maybe got a better package than that. But I think Karis LeVert has that ability to take that next step up in a small market and be a guy that you can just go ahead and take a bet on. And I don't know if Indiana pay. I don't know if Indiana 
is going to be a team that suffers mightily from this and falls down the standings. Houston too, by the way, they don't get a young player on a really good contract that could also take that next step. And uh, they have to either, you know, trade Victor Oladipo for some assets or they try to resign him, or they just want to free up some cap space, which whatever, but you could have gone, you could have just stayed with Karis Levert, which what I think would have been the smarter move. Nada, you know, I like it for Indiana and Houston's still going to be fun with Victor on that team, but I like it for Indiana. I like Karis Levert in that uniform. Like I, here's the thing. I think Indiana did really, 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 really well for himself, for, for themselves. I like Karis Levert. I like what the Indiana model is is that they trade a star right before the expiration date on the best possible return is. We've seen them do it now with with Paul George. Now we've seen them do it with with uh, Oladipo. Now, the again, depending on what Karis LeVert develops into, you may see this. This may be the new small market model. It might be a little bit depressing, but it is what it is. You trade your star before they have a chance to complain, not like it. You send them to a place you want to go, they want to go, and then you move on. It's not much, but at the same time, it's a way for you to stay sustainable. It's a way for you to keep winning. It's the way for people to keep coming to your building. It's depressing in itself on its face, but at the same time, if this is the best way that you can operate your franchise as a small to mid market, it's an awesome way to do it. On the other side, though, if we're going to talk about the one, the only Houston Rockets, the Houston Rockets acted like a small market team despite being in a big market. And all this does is further continue the notion that Tillman Fertitta is broke and just looked at this looked at the Rockets as a moneymaker rather than actually building something sustainable. Like, I'm not going to invoke the words Gavin Maloof or the Maloof brothers, but I wouldn't be surprised if we're somewhat close. I really wouldn't. Cause I so, and, and I really honestly wouldn't be surprised if Oladipo was on the move. I think that's my only criticism well. about Houston. I would have kept Karis LeVert rather than trading for Victor Oladipo. And that still would have been a really fun basketball team. I also don't think they settled too much. You know, we were discussing with James Harden's comments. If they don't have any leverage, then they're not going to get anything close to a hundred cents on the dollar. Could you get the 90 cents on the dollar and still come back with a huge return because it's freaking James Harden? Well, I think they did Nada. like Karis LeVert is the only criticism I that I, I have for them Four first round unprotected picks that you get back and four pick swaps. And you have a bunch of dudes playing for the nets that are over 30 with to me an increasingly stronger Eastern conference. You make that move you know, 10 times out of 10, as far as what you could have had in return, if you could have kept a Jared Allen or Karis Levert, but you do get all of those picks. You got to love it for Houston, the way that they swung for the fences constantly. They didn't do it. That sucks, but at least you're able to get back your first round picks and you have a team that can make the playoffs, by the way, like that's a fun roster that could sneak into the playoffs. Now, see, here's the thing. I kind of disagree with you on the return in terms of those picks. Those Nets picks are going to be 24 to 30 at I mean, best. For, for the next, you're, talking you're, about you're sure about that. Because, I mean, 
I'm well, well because sure look, we've that. seen this before. Like the classic joke was the yeah. Brooklyn Nets. I, I get it. It's not Kevin Garnett, uh, Garnett. It's not Paul Pierce. It's not Jason Terry that basically have one barely year left of, I mean, it's not even their prime when they went back to the Nets. And I get that. It's a little far-fetched, but that was a lot of picks that they sacrificed for uh, those guys from the Celtics. And they're doing it again for players that have a injury history for, you know, some players that are over 30 by, by a decent amount. And you just talked about how they don't have a ton of depth. Now you get rid of all of your young players. I mean, I think if you're the Rockets, you're, you're fine with taking all of these picks in return. You kind of are like, I, I, I get you're kind of okay with it, but if you're talking about ripping this down to the studs and they may not be able to rip this down to the studs because of the John Wall contract. And I understand that. At the same time, this doesn't seem like I have a plan. Like none of this seems like there's a plan to it just yet. And I'm not sure that even two months of Oladipo is going to be good enough to get you on get you a rental uh, for something else. Like a rental Oladipo isn't going to get you another pick. And you, the, Houston needs sustainable stuff if you're going to do this. Now, granted, maybe P.J. Tucker gets you something else. I don't know. The question I complete, I just have right now is how is this all going to work once the trade de- deadline is over? Because this looks like a teardown, and it just looks like a very janky t- teardown. All right, that wraps up right this now. edition of Locked On Hornets. Thanks again for supporting the show. Always appreciate it. Have one more to go. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NBA, Hollinger and Duncan, Rejecting the Screen, really any show on the Locked On Podcast Network. Have a great day. We'll be back with you for a Friday edition.